Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. Jeremiah, it's, it's interesting, the articles that I've been reading, and I've been trying to separate out and try to get a good understanding, not only current, but also historically, how important energy is to inflation. You know, we have this, we have this, all these people talking about, you know, all the, you know, the excess money that came out of the government that poured in, and that was one of the reasons for inflationary factors. But when I, I try to drill down into this information and say, wait a minute, um, it supply chains, yes, all those things that kind of come into it, but energy and inflation are, are literally tied at the hip. Yep. And if we don't have abundant energy, we're going to have much more inflation down the road. Well, I'm excited to talk about this today because you know energy and inflation, um, historically, we'll talk about that, like you said, as well as looking forward, like it's a big deal. And regardless of what we do with you know grocery store prices and things like that, energy is a massive driver. And again, the energy that we've been used to has been primarily fossil fuels. So I grew up, again, of course, oil prices back in the 70s and the early 80s. Uh, that drove massive inflation, but that was more of a political event, uh, event that happened. And then you've got uh, Reagan that came in and kind of threw away the regulations or reduced the regulations. And then we had excess demand. So we had we had decades of abundant energy. Now we have this, this um, I, I'm going to say it's, it's converging ideas. Mm. So environmental. Uh, yep. is trying to shut down or or reduce fossil fuels, right? Yeah, and the, reg- the regulation's a big piece, even historically, when regulation came off, there was massive swings of, of what those, and now we're, in essence, I think we're layering on regulation for energy, of saying you know, we want to move away from some of these things to these others, and whether or not those others, <laughs> some of the renewables, will be able to take on not just the current demand, but, but the future demand. I mean, we're in, you've said it before, but we're in an inflection point, and the way energy and inflation work together it, you know, it, it's had a relationship in the future and it's in the past and it's going to have a continuing relationship into the future. You're listening to Randy Barkley. I'm Randy Barkley and this is Jeremiah Lee and we're with Tricord Advisors and we're going to have a discussion today about the the interdependence or the the overlapping relationship between inflation and energy and uh, hopefully this is of some joy of some joy of some value to you mm-hmm. and um, it can be 
again, knowledge is really the root of, of everything in my life. I want to know more. And the more I know, I think the better choices that we make. And then we want to be able to make that also for yourself. The more knowledge you have, the better choices that you're going to make financially for yourself as well as your family and the other people that, um, you know, are dependent upon you, right? Yeah. And as a lot of people know, Randy and I are both certified financial planners. So we, we do this type of stuff every day. I'm also a California licensed attorney and we work, we work together. We work at Tricor Advisors and we, we walk clients through all sorts of things. And and today I'm excited about this conversation. We're just kind of talking about energy and inflation. And I, I think looking back has always helped me to look back. And I think we're both kind of history buffs to some extent of, of sure. wanting to learn from that. But but we kind of talked about earlier, but looking back, there's kind of been three big moments in the United States that we have had really large inflation, you know, scary inflation. And right. the first one being 1946, you know, just after World War II, um, you know, all the factories had been making war things. And so everyone comes back, everyone had been conserving during the war, there had been savings, people had been working hard. So you know, the war generation comes back, and all these factories start getting retooled, and people want to buy, I don't know, uh, clothes washers and uh, refrigerator type things, you know, you know, the things they had back in the 40s, but they just couldn't produce them fast enough. They didn't exist. And so you have this supply shock. Um, well, of I mean, people have money. Came from. So you had household formations that was just massive. You got people that moved from the rural environment, you know, agricultural, and they went off to war and they came back and went, oh, there's another world out here. Mm. And they, a lot of them went back to college, went to school, got an education. They had a professional degree. And then you come back to the Levittown, uh, you know, that was a, you know, it was in essence, uh, it's mass production of individual housing. That's, I think it started in Pennsylvania or New Jersey someplace, but it was cookie cutter. You know, all mm. these houses looked exactly the same. It was like manufacturing of individual homes, but they, they, they sold them faster than they could build them. Yeah. And of course you got, you got to put stuff in them, right? You got to put, you got to put furniture in them. You got to put appliances in it. You got to, got to get a car if you're going back and forth to work. And there was such a massive demand during that period of time, inflation just went through the roof. Yep. And right before that period during the war, there'd been such regulation. Right. You couldn't buy things. You, you had to conserve things. Everything was war related. Well, all that's coming off. And all these people are making these, these you said these life choices. And you know, inflation went up and up and up and up and up. Um, and the drivers of that you know, were food, were energy, which is a huge one, and then decontrol. Yeah. You know? And energy is, is part of the, the, the through line we're kind of talking a little bit today is, you know, it, back then, you know, is, is, is fossil fuel related items, you know, gasoline for cars, um, natural gas for heating homes. And they had abundance of coal, coal. For, for power plants to provide electricity and things like that. Yeah. So we kind of progress forward. So you have, you know, this, this moment, you know, where it comes from, then you roll forward, you know, through the fifties and sixties, you get to 74. Um, and we're seeing, you know, Nixon had just, just come off and Nixon had been working with, with, uh, uh, stagflation basically to where you had the same idea that you have this increase, um, of, of demands is increase of, uh, inflation. But the, the dynamic here all of a sudden was you had high unemployment. People couldn't find enough work. And so it was this odd moment where prices are going up. You don't have enough stuff. You don't have enough energy, but you also don't have this increasing money as you did in Correct. the previous times. Um, and with that, yeah, it, again, through that period of time, yeah, go ahead. I say with that, it was, it was a unique moment for Nixon, and, and you know, trying to be political, <laughs> all the things that he was political about, but trying to uh, you know tame that. And you know, it wasn't you know, Ford comes in later and deals with it, but initially it was kind of in Nixon's watch as this started, and Ford you know tried to change things. You know, he tried to walk into this and, and struggled. Well, Ford came in with this, you know, he came in with this slogan uh, called when, you know, whip inflation now. 
It basically was an encouragement to people to buy less. If you buy less, therefore, the cost of goods and services will go down automatically because the demand comes off. It did not work. <laughs> I just say it worked great, right? Just told people to slow down and they did. And they said, oh, fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll buy less. We get it. I, I think we struggle with that even now. Like, right. um, you know, in 2022, uh, there's a lot of people said if people just stop driving as much, if they cancel their vacations, if they cancel their road trips, we'll be fine. And it, that's hard to do. It's hard to get you know, us as a populace not to make our own independent choices and to fall in line. And, you know, back early in the, the 40s, the, kind of the war effort, I feel like there was more of that. People were conserving. It was an extreme moment, yeah, but, but, you, but you had, but you had the war. I mean, yeah, and outside of the war, I don't, I don't know. Had, we have that. You had a focus. Yeah, you had yeah. a focus of we're going to win the war. You know, and Hitler was a real threat. You know, yeah. what was going on? but again, remember, Japan attacked us at you know in 1941. They attacked us because we weren't selling oil to them, hmm. and they wanted to control the oil supply, and they wanted more of it, and that's why Japan attacked Pearl Harbor. I mean, it, it's energy related. So energy is a key component. Uh, and I think we're at an inflection point going forward. You know, none of us want to shoot our neighbors. Um, but if you look at what's going on with Ukraine and Russia right now, it's, a, it's energy is kind of at the core of a yeah. lot of this. I mean, they have the largest nuclear facility for Europe is in is on Ukrainian soil. And Russia is threatening by throwing bombs around this this nuclear facility. It's just like, are you crazy? But yeah. well, it, it, again, it comes back down yeah. to this energy. Yeah, I think it's hard with um, you know Putin specifically of trying to say, is this a long term energy play? He wants Europe right. to be dependent on his oil. Maybe you know, is this a you know just trying to draw the borders in a way that he likes them? I I, I don't know. I'm sure there's all sorts of things at play. But to your comment, you know, it, it's it's neighbors. I mean, I, I remember in 20, 2020 here, the toilet paper thing, you know, you, people getting fistfights over toilet paper. It was ridiculous. Yeah, Basically. you saw YouTube you, where, I mean, people were literally were, were pulling the toilet paper out of each other's hands and about ready to go to war over packaged toilet paper for crying out loud. It just, yeah. you know, people lost their minds. Unreal. People did lose their minds. And, and with that, I think that's that, like you said, that feeling of scarcity, you know, I think pushes people and countries to to make choices that are not um you know they go to war you know they, they go to war for these things that is a choice that doesn't seem friendly or useful in the long term but that that idea of scarcity so we, we just talked about 74 and then we kind of move forward a little bit to 79 so was, i don't think we said the numbers but in the 1940s we had about 18 percent inflation it got up to about 18 percent. yeah and i and of course historically i can remember that i mean it still has it imprinted my um uh, my understanding of what inflation, how bad it can get. And during that period of time, I mean, I lived yeah, through the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the late 70s. Time. So, yeah, in 74, it was 20%. And then the 79, we had the oil shocks. And so, again, energy related, you know, we were you know, coming out of that stagflation, you know, Ford had, you know, whipped it or, or win, win, you know, the whip, uh, whip inflation now. I don't know that slogan helped, but, um, you know, Ford kind of moved us forward a bit, but it didn't fully go away. Then you had Carter you know, as we get the oil embargo right. uh, with Iran. And you know, this is, I think, where, you, where you, we talked before, you have all sorts of memories, my parents have memories of, of waiting in lines for right. supply. And we actually talked to a client just the other day that he is saying he drove a oil tanker truck during this period. And he said, as he's going down the road, he would get a line of cars behind him. Following him. Following him. And he would go to pull into the station. They have to you know, move cars out of the way that the tents would come out because <laughs> there's just a, a jam. And then as he gets in, you know, he has a line of 20, 30 cars following him now trying to get to that station and he's just going to pump, you know, whatever gas he has into the station. And, you know, that, that was the queuing, queuing up for it. So the prices were, you know, my understanding, they were, they're fixed in the sense that they just didn't let them run free, but the, the supply was 
was rationed. And so, right. you know, based on your license plates, or I'm sure they did different things different places, but you can only get so much. And, you know, with that, it was, it was an energy-driven inflation. You're listening to Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee with Retirement Unlimited. Uh, if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future episode, you can go to our website, retirementunlimited.com, and use the comment section, or you can give our office a call. It's 951-684-7011. Yeah, and I, and I think, again, I think we're coming back to our, our key thesis here, and is that energy and inflation are tied. They're somehow tied together. And with that, that commonality that they have, we're at an inflection of inflection point historically. I think that there is going to be a lot of development. Uh, there already is. I, I mean, I, I'll center back on nuclear. Nuclear is, is one of the key energy providers that if it's done right, and if there's a few developments as far as the safety of it, it could create on-demand energy for the users for just an incredible amount of time. And it's yeah. very, very clean. And it could be extremely cheap if it's if it's if it's structured over time. Well, yeah, and I think to um, as we dive into the different ways of energy for it, I think just a good context that you and I have talked about was to say you know we, we understand the world's need for energy now. You know today, twenty twenty two, there's a certain amount of energy we use and a lot of it's electricity. But as we look forward, you know twenty thirty, twenty forty, twenty fifty, uh, you know there's a number of futuristic articles that, that we've read that they they don't just talk about okay I need to charge my iPhone. You know it, it's your vehicle. You know we're, we're moving electric. There's a number of suburbs that are being built now that don't have natural gas. No natural gas it. in it, all electric, right? To me, that, that's crazy, you know, that you wouldn't even have the option for your stove and or your heating. A lot mm -hmm. of people through the Midwest, you know, natural gas is such a normal part of, you know, boilers and heating homes and hot water heaters. But but to say we're moving electrical, I mean, just, just think of, I mean, I think of my home, you know, all the electrics are, electronics I already have. If my heater and my stove become electric and then my vehicles become electric, Right. Um, you know, that's more than doubling my bill, I imagine. You know, that, that's, a, that's a large consumption. Well, again, it's going to drive you into um, solar cells and battery and storage. I mean, yeah, battery, solar panels, all, all those, those aspects that come into it. Yeah. So as we look forward, I, I think an important thing as we look at inflation and energy, if, if we don't, as a, as a world even, but also as a country, if we don't find ways to expand not just how clean our energy is, but expand our capacities and our infrastructures for energy, you know, we're going to get 20, 30 down, years down the road, and our, our, I see our, our demands just ballooning. You know, they're, they're right. just going to get more and more and more. Right. And so with that, what we've talked about is, is what, do you, what do you do? Like, you know, if, if we have no greater supplies, inflation for energy will just continue. Right. But all these moments here is if we can increase the supplies, if we have other technologies that will help us take steps forward, there could be a surplus. There could be a great moment. And I, I agree with you. I think there's, you know, we have the, the fossil fuels currently. We have natural gas plants. We have coal plants. And I think what we're, our world is moving into is solar panels, batteries, you know, wind harvesting, offshore. Uh, what America doesn't have, and I, I think what, what you've read a number of articles on, is, is the nuclear piece. Yeah. And there's a lot of countries around the world that are not following America's dictates. France, for example, is a prime example. So this whole thing with Russia and Ukraine, the cost to flip a switch in Paris is dramatically less than the cost to flip a switch in Berlin. So Germany made a decision to get rid of their nuclear and became more dependent on the natural gas lines, the supply coming out of Russia. Now all of a sudden they're finding that that's becoming, that's putting them in a very precarious situation and their cost of energy. Putin is even talking about shutting off the uh, supply. You know, they, they shut it down for maintenance and it causes absolute chaos 
But France, now not, not recognizing that they were going to have this conflict with, with Russia, but they just said, no, we want to become more independent. And you would, I guess you wouldn't think of France being that progressive in their thinking, but they really have become. Yeah. Uh, India is also building a lot of nuclear. Uh, they want to become more independent. They, don't, they want to become less uh, dependent on uh, exports, you know, imports yeah. of, of oil and such as that. China is also building a lot of a lot of nuclear. Yeah. The United States is really we really have fallen behind. And I wonder, you know, the the reasons for that. You know, I, I have some thoughts, but I think my initial thought is fear based. You know, to yeah. say I wonder how many people are fearful that either a plant will explode. You know, um, that there's some. You know, we all, my generation, your gener- generation, we all seen videos of you know Hiroshima and you know some of these bombs. You know, are that is that what we're feared of? Because that's that's not realistic. You know, that's not how these function. Um, is it the you know, Chernobyl or you know Three Mile Island kind of the, the quote unquote meltdowns that we've had? That, that's probably a big part of it. I think there's a generation who saw Chernobyl and saw the deaths of that. But we were just talking about Three Mile Island. You know, the impacts of that were were different. You know that you know things were shut down. There there wasn't the types of deaths and mass fallout and all that. There wasn't a radioactive release like what you had in Chernobyl. Yeah, you know, and there, you got to understand there's over 400 nuclear reactors worldwide. And if you look at the number of people that have died from a nuclear action uh, reaction or accident or something like that has been very insignificant as you compare to people that have died from fossil fuel use like coal. I mean, I can, re- I can remember reading stories, historical stories, and they're talking about the smog in London, and this is the 1800s, that people were dying because mm-hmm. there, there was an inversion layer and we're not talking about the last 10 years. We're talking about over 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the coal was killing people because mm-hmm. the inversion later was keeping the smog down so people couldn't get, a, couldn't get relief from it. Yeah, couldn't get some fresh air. So that, wasn't, that wasn't just something that happened recently. That's been something that's been going on for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder with the nuclear, so there's the, the, the fear of things breaking. I think there's a fear of attack. But I, I, um, I, one of the things that we, you and I were talking about is uh, we, a lot of the plants in the U.S. are old. Um, they are not current technology. I, mean, I, I think of, I don't know when the last plant was built, you know, probably in the 80s or 70s sometime. But I, I think of, uh, you think of a cell phone or a computer from the 70s and 80s. You know, we are so massively beyond what, and of course, those plants have had updates along the way. But, you know, how they would design and how they would build and how they would manage a nuclear plant today, you know, it, is quite different than what they would have built 70, 80, in the 70s and the 80s. Um, and I, France is probably a leader in that, you know, saying what are the modern safety protocols? What's the ability to manage it? Um, and the, the other part with nuclear is the waste. And I think that in my mind is still a question, you know, what do you do with nuclear waste? You know, there's, um, you know, people sequester it, they you have other uses for it. And I think our technology is still developing there. What, what do you use with this? But, it, but I, the encouragement to the, the people, you know, between you and I and the people that are listening to us, there is a lot of development. I think the language regarding scarcity and, and fear uh, are become the predominant um, voice Mm. And it, it's like the people who don't want to fly because they're fearful of of a plane fly, you know, falling out of the sky. It, it makes no logical sense because your emotions and your knowledge don't oftentimes fit together. But the voices that are heard the loudest are the people that have the highest fear level. And we need, as a country, I mean, candidly, we need to elect officials and we need to have a proactive energy uh, policy. And there's a lot of things, you know, not only from nuclear, but also hydrogen. You know, there's a, a lot of development still can be developed within solar and batteries mm-hmm. and, you know, wind energy and, you know, all these other things. 
But this is an ongoing issue and has been from civilization, particularly the last 100, 200 years. And I don't think that we're in a different spot than what we were 100 years ago yeah. or even 200 years ago. Well, yeah, one of the comments, I think you made this the other day of, uh, you know, Columbus, when he was, you know, back, you know, 14, what, 1492, right? Is that the... 1492. <laughs> that's the rhyme. <laughs> but you made a comment that, that Europe is running out of trees to build ships. They're running out of mass. They're running out of lumber. And uh, part of this exploration, when they found the new world, it was, you know, they found Virginia and, and Maryland, and they found all these trees. Full of trees. And it was it was a, a whole new value ability to develop but i think back to what that meant for them you know trading in england and uh, portugal and spain and france to say if we can't build ships if we don't have enough of this type of growth we're going to grind to a halt there's a similar sentiment that if, if we don't have sufficient energy you know we're going to grind to a halt and our, our world is is becoming more and more energy um, you know through electronics and vehicles you know we're energy dependent in essence but i, I think the the part that's meaningful to me is thinking through Right now, you said politically, we have, I say political leaders who are saying, don't, don't, don't. And the fight becomes, you know, yes, drill, no, don't drill, do it clean. And, and my take, I mean, whatever my opinion's worth, is, is, is kind of we need all of it to move together with our supply. I mean, if, if we push ourselves because of regulation Correct. or desires into a scarcity, we're going to have some major issues, not just domestically, but worldwide. People going to war over energy worldwide to say we, we need more. Whereas if we can say, yeah, yes, we, we agree that, that being clean to the planet is, is ideal. We agree all these things. But you know, until solar and other things can take over, I mean, I'm sure there's a political process of say, why, why would you one or the other? But I think our, our politics need to have a long-term view to say in the next 20, 30 years, this is where we're headed. We're going to have a massive need for energy. And so I, I anticipate we need nuclear, we need right. wind, we need solar. And until those are you know, up and online, we probably also need you know, natural gas and coal and all those things to make that transition. And I don't know what that transition looks like. We may you know, get here 20 years down the road and we just need all of it. <laughs> like whatever we have that produces energy, we need it potentially right. you know, of, of what we're doing. And um, that, that kind of sustainability for the future. I mean, um, we have to use our energy right and we have to plan for the future. And I think that's a, a huge take. The, the articles that you and I are reading are talking, I mean, a lot of this is very futuristic, but it's not so far out. It's not like, Jules Verne talking about a moonshot in 100 years. <laughs> We're talking about in the next five to 10 years, there's going to be some major breakthroughs in development. This language of scarcity is what I'm really having difficulty with because I don't think we live in a world of scarcity. I think we mm -hmm. live in a world of abundance, but it's how we utilize the, the resources that we have and allow science and research and development to develop an outcome and also get support from the government, not obstruction from the government to accomplish the overall goals. Yeah, those are great. Um, if, if anyone's missed part of this episode and you want to hear our full conversation, you can go to our website, it's retirementunlimited.com. Uh, we're also on YouTube. You can look us up there. Um, or you, if you have a topic you'd like to discuss on a future episode, you can give us a call. It's 951-684-7011 or leave us a message on our website. We'd love to chat about the things that are relevant to you. Till next week, folks. May you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent, California 
California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned. He can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888-627-8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB.